0: Thriving with Chronic Illness is brought to you by Life Audio and is a part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Thriving with Chronic Illness podcast, where together we learn how to live as Christ's victorious ambassadors, as empowered warriors, even on our worst, sickest days. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and a ministry leader who often struggles with figuring out how to live victoriously in this broken and often fatigued and hurting body. I've had people ask me many times, actually, how I managed to do so much. To which I respond, I've got a lot of help. I've got amazing people walking beside me, people who are focused on Christ and living out his mission and who are helping me to do the same. We need each other, but relationships are messy and sometimes hurtful. Honestly, our loved ones, even those closest to us, will not and cannot understand what it's like to live with chronic illness, but you know what? That's okay. Because we won't fully understand their struggles as well, not unless we've lived them. So how can we love one another well in the midst of our challenges and misunderstandings? So today is part of a two-part discussion on relationships, dealing with relationships amidst chronic illness. And today I brought my daughter, Ashley Slattery, on as we talk about navigating some of our closest relationships well and with grace in light of chronic illness. She's joined me before in my Faith Over Fear podcast to talk about her battle with anxiety as a Christian woman and also what it's like to live with a mom who has OCD. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to do so. You'll find the full series, Faith Over Fear, including episode two titled The Courage to Thrive with Anxiety on lifeaudio.com. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Mom. We, all of humanity, tend to be a bit self-absorbed and self-obsessed. We're quick to think of how our struggles affect us, but we're often not so quick to consider how they might impact others. But, Ashley, my illness has impacted you, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Initially, my illness changed our family interactions.
0: Yeah. It felt like, um, dad and I had to take care of you. Uh, I think I kind of took on a parental role for a little bit, which was weird. And I don't think worked out well for anybody.
1: We didn't understand. I didn't realize initially, I don't think any of us realized initially how things were kind of slipping, but I began to notice personally that everybody, like my daughter said, she was starting to take on a parental role. She was feeling responsible, I sensed, for me.
0: Yeah, I I loved you, and I was worried about you, and I could tell that something was going on, but since you didn't know what was going on, I obviously didn't know what was going on, so I was just trying to do whatever I could to make the situation better.
1: Mm -hmm. And you're a natural caretaker, like you're very compassionate, which there's... One downfall to that is sometimes you can absorb other people's emotions and difficulties. Yeah, probably. Let's talk about your sophomore year. You went through a pretty intense depression.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of changes going on that year. We had just moved and I had to adjust to all of that. And that's also the year you got sick.
1: Right. And so during that time, did you talk to me really about what was going on with you?
0: Uh, Not really, because I knew that you had a lot of things you were dealing with, and I wanted you to be able to focus on taking care of yourself, and I wanted dad to be able to focus on taking care of you. So luckily, I had a lot of other mentors in my life I was able to go to, but I didn't want to add to your dad's burden. How did that feel? It was pretty scary. It was pretty lonely, especially since it's just the three of us in our family. And that was a huge adjustment,
1: wasn't it, for your and my relationship?
0: Yeah, we have always been very close. So, uh, I mean, a lot of times you were my only friend due to our frequent moves. So it it was a rough time period. I think we fought a lot then too, probably because of our relationship dynamic adjustment.
1: And just so much going on. Like you said, you were frightened. I was frightened. It felt like in so many ways our family was in crisis. And I do want to say i am we're not having this discussion so that anybody with chronic illness feels guilty because that absolutely, we don't want that to happen. We're trying to open the conversation to understand, like Ashley said, we fought because we had so much going on, but we had so many emotions that we weren't having open conversations about. And so our emotions were coming out as angry words and harsh comments and reactions. Would you agree? Definitely. So we had to learn to talk through that. And I think you probably had to go through a grieving process during that time, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought you were dying. So definitely a lot of that. And also I missed the relationship that we had had before. You got sick. Everything felt like it changed very rapidly.
1: I didn't hear about how she was trying to process my illness until about a year later. And she said to me, I thought you were dying, but I couldn't talk to you because you were so sick and dad was taking care of you. And that, as a mom, it was really hard to hear, but it was also important for me to hear because it began to open the door for dialogue. And obviously there has to be some balance, right? Especially if the person who is sick needs care. It's going to affect the family. And I think my illness still affects the family at times.
0: Yeah. At my wedding recently, we had to figure out how we were going to make sure you didn't get tired or weren't in pain. So we had to make some adjustments to accommodate your illness. But I mean, honestly, at the time I didn't even really think about it. It was just a part of our life It didn't make me feel bad it wasn't frustrating or anything like that it was just another thing we consider like what colors are we going to pick and stuff like that it helps that you're older
1: <laughs> and so you're able to process some of this now so for those of us with younger kids they may not be able to process they may not be able to express and so when we see them having reactions It's helpful to pause. And let me give another example. My daughter will tend to react pretty strongly when I appear as if I'm in pain. And I didn't recognize that that was what she was responding to for a long time. And I just thought she was chronically annoyed with me. But really, that's not what was going on, is it?
0: No, your pain made me very anxious. Seeing you in pain made me very anxious because I knew that it wasn't going to stop and there was nothing I could do to stop it. So I just, um, it it just made me feel gross.
1: Yeah, so you struggle with that. And Mm -hmm. so we had to be able to talk about that. And one thing I had to learn is I'm I'm not always honest with my, with what's going on in part because I think we're, we've learned to come out of that unhealthy where for a while that it felt like my illness had become my identity and my family and I didn't want that. and And also because it felt like for a while, roles had shifted where it's one thing if you need help, because I will ask my family to help if I need help now. There's one thing to say, okay, I need help with the groceries or I need help with dishes or cooking dinner, but my daughter still needs a mom.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's, I never minded helping you out. I think it's just when it becomes something we constantly have to think about and are constantly worried about that it gets
1: bad. Mhm and i think probably let's talk about that for a minute it's it's also when we begin to take ownership either way of one another's emotions so if i take ownership of your grieving Mm -hmm. over my illness or anything else, or, or even you feeling, let's say you hadn't been so great with the wedding. I'm lucky. I am very lucky that my family is very understanding. They've been very understanding as far as my challenges, and they've been very good to open doors of communication. But when I opened this up on Facebook and I asked my friends what some of their biggest struggles were, and one of their biggest struggles was that other people didn't understand them that other people didn't really understand what they were going through. And and if we're feeling that way, first, like I said, when we opened, people cannot understand what we go through. I mean, that's just human, just like I can't with my daughter's anxiety and depression. And we talked about that in our episode, like I said previously, the faith over fear episode, but I can't understand what it's like to have that level of depression and anxiety. I just can't. Mm Mm-hmm. Is
0: that hard for you? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so because you don't necessarily have to understand somebody's struggle to know that it's real and you've always treated my struggles like they were real. So, and you know, I can't understand your illness struggles because, you know, I I can't physically experience them, but that doesn't mean it's, it's not real. And I think like you said earlier, my, as I've gotten older, my processing and understanding and how I've treated you has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, going, I think I was 15 when you were first started getting sick and I'm almost 23 now. So it's been a lot of growing for me too, which has helped. But yeah so those of you if you're in the beginning of illness
1: just kind of getting diagnoses or or figuring out what's going on it is going to be a process of transformation within your family as you find your new normal and that's going to feel uncomfortable and so just recognize that and and just keep pushing through and then i would also say for those of us who are feeling like other people just don't understand I think it's important to go deeper and ask why we want them to understand. Is it because we feel guilty? If so, then that's our issue. And then it indicates that we're probably trying to prove ourselves or maybe we've measured our identity or our value by what we do rather than who we are. And I found myself doing that a lot in the beginning because I thought, okay, it's my role as a mom to cook dinner every night. And now I don't
0: do that so often. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, dad and I are both capable human beings. I think probably you have to understand like as a parent or, you know, if you have this illness, like you may not be able to do the traditional duties. You know, I think tradition and society plays a lot into our expectations of ourselves, but that your family is still capable and that you provide other services to the household. So yeah. And so going deeper
1: to just say okay, what's going on with us if if we are feeling guilty having that conversation with our family, they may have to stress or or struggle with their own transition as far as what does that look like for them? It may take some patience and some prayer for them to understand that maybe we can't do things that we used to do or maybe we can't always do things. I can cook dinner by the way. It's just some days I have more challenges. I did want to say that. But also our relationship must, must, must flow out of Jesus Christ and our fullness in him. He gave us such a beautiful example of what this looks like. So it was the night before his death, and he said to his disciples, this is from John 16, verse 32, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will all leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. So Jesus remained vitally connected to his father, and that allowed him to deal with human rejection and abandonment. And honestly, we must love others from our fullness in Christ. Otherwise, what others give us, how others see us, will never be enough. And I speak on this in length in my presentation on fear of rejection. So if you go to the Holy Love YouTube channel, you should be able to find it. So just Go to YouTube and search Holy Loved and then scroll through their videos. It's titled Fear of Rejection. But in short, my daughter and my husband can't fill the holes that my illness reveals. And I, I say that it reveals because I wouldn't be struggling with guilt or insecurity if I went into this illness fully anchored in Christ. Only God can fill those holes. And if we're feeling guilty, we likely need Christ healing. And we in our family need to widen our circle. And this is especially hard for women to hear because we're trained from a very young age to care for everyone else. And our illness will likely bump up against that, but good can come out of that. I cannot be all things to you, right, Ash? No. No. I need others help. And there have been times when others have stepped in. I've talked about that before, but now you can hear about it in Ashley's perspective. How have other people come alongside you to kind of fill my gaps, I guess, or the gaps that my illness have created?
0: Well, when you were first diagnosed, I was a part of a youth group at our church and I really leaned on my small group youth leaders for a lot of support and a lot of help figuring stuff out. And, you know, they just listened to me and helped me understand my mom a little bit better. Um, So I really relied on them. And, you know, I have friends, parents who have helped me and my friends and professors at school. And, you know, I mean, it it takes a village of people, as people have said. Mm -hmm. And actually
1: beautiful things can come out of that because as a result, I will say, Ashley has talked about how she has such a strong community. There was a point where my husband and I thought we were going to need to move. And we were concerned how, because Ashley was in, I think you were in your second year of college. Mm -hmm. So we were concerned about, you know, being too far away from her. And do you remember what you said to me? I think I said that I have my friend's parents or I had church or something like that. You said you have family. Yeah. You called them your family.
0: Yeah, I would consider them my family. Do you think you would
1: have if you hadn't have had to rely on them that year?
0: I probably wouldn't have had that like security in, hey, they've been here for me before. I know for sure they will again. It would have been like, rather than you guys moving away and me needing to rely on them more would have been new waters versus this is expected.
1: Yeah, good point. So let's talk about those honest conversations. Because when we're not feeling well, I don't know about you, but when I'm not feeling well, I am not as patient. If I'm hurting, my tone will tend to harshen. My words will harshen. I will be a lot, will grow harsher. I will be a lot less patient. If our kids are hurting, whether physically, emotionally, whatever, they're going to experience the same thing. So what happens
0: when you have a teenager? (laughs) I was not a very fun person for a while. You were hurting about some yeah. things. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I mean, I didn't really know what was going on with me. You know, I don't think people always, you know, whether they're kids or adults always know how to put names or reasons behind the things that they're feeling. So I just knew I felt gross and I didn't know what this gross feeling was or where it was coming from. And so I just wanted to get the grossness out all over everybody. Let's just
1: for those who are listening, let's just because when I hear gross being chronically ill, I think of that means I feel
0: sick. That's not what you're saying. And no, like, just a negative feeling, whether it be anxiety, or if for me, anxiety gets wrapped up in guilt and, and anger. and, And it's just like all of those negative feelings kind of get thrown into one pot together. And sometimes they're really hard to distinguish.
1: Mhm. And how does so how does your guilt cuz I think that's a big part for you and I'm saying this for those of us with chronic illness so we have a lens when our loved ones are reacting to us when they react strongly to us that means there's something deep 90% of the time they could also be completely hormonal that goes on with teenagers as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so when you see them reacting so you had guilt even about sharing your feelings, right? Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, I well, I didn't want to be a burden on you, but then I also didn't want to talk poorly about you to other people. You know, I I was worried sometimes that if I, you know, shared what we were going through at home, that people would think negatively of you and I. I didn't want that to happen either. So, but honestly, when it is talked about, that burden goes away there's less problems when you talk about them.
1: Mm-hmm. When I know you had also expressed in the past, you were afraid of hurting me because you knew I couldn't help it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I, I, I didn't want you, I didn't want you to know how much it bothered me because you couldn't fix it. But by not expressing it, did that mean it didn't come out? No, because you know, people are very good at expressing their feelings And people are also really good at sensing other people's feelings, but we're not so great at sensing why they're feeling that way. So you just knew that I was upset and you didn't know why. And so it probably felt pretty directed at you.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times when we have a pain, it can come out and it can appear as anger or sarcastic comments or snark and both on both sides. And a lot of times when we hear the sarcasm and the snark, my daughter and I have learned to say, okay, what's going on? And then a lot of times we're able, it's not always immediate. Sometimes there's still that headbutting or that hurt and quick response. But I think we come back and we visit it later and say, okay, what was really going on? And I don't know if we each know in the moment what's going on and we have to pause.
0: I think a lot of times the snarky person needs to go away for a bit and be like, hmm, okay, I actually was being snarky. What's Mm -hmm. up with that? Because I think sometimes it's really hard in the moment to admit that you were kind of being a stink.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about honest, open conversations, because when we're sick, we can air in one of two ways. We can share too much where we make every conversation about us and our illness and where our family begins to feel just this heavy burden of caring for us and where they lose them. We don't want our family to lose themselves or to feel like they're not important, like their needs and their struggles are unimportant. It's so easy for the caretaker. For that to happen. So we want to make sure that we are, that that isn't occurring, but then we can err the other way and we can try to shield them too much. So let's, let's talk about what maybe is okay to share or, or we should share. And maybe some of the things that we should be really cautious before we
0: share. I know that for me as a kid of a parent with a chronic illness, it was really hard for me to handle the emotional stuff. You know, I, I, it was really hard for me to hear about the pain and the fear and stuff like that, because, you know, your kids shouldn't be your therapist, but I really needed to know about the appointments and the medication and, you know, the different treatments because, you know, I needed to know what was going on. So I think, you know, it's really important to inform people, but don't, Overshare the emotional part, you know, and I mean, with a husband that's different. husband can probably carry a little bit more of the emotional support, but just speaking for me as a kid mhm well I think that's we have to constantly check in
1: because every person is different, and even when she says that, there are certain things we do need to model expressing our feelings we but we have to be constantly checking in and prayerfully considering, is me sharing because you do need to hear a little bit, like when I'm hurting, because it shows in my body language.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I knew what was going on.
1: Right. So, it's, but like she's talking about, she was not, she, our children are not strong enough to carry us emotionally. And they were not intended to carry us emotionally. And whereas our, our spouse, yeah, we do lean on them, but at the same time, they cannot carry us emotionally. So, we may need to find that person. To, that we can vent to more and have to proceed with love always and alertness. And I think it's okay to have those conversations where, how do you feel when I share this? Mm-hmm. And then pulling back and also watching the body language of our loved ones. And we can tell when it is becoming too much. And and some ways we can tell, they might not express it, but they might tense up. They might, like we said, become sarcastic or they might seem to become agitated. Those are all signs that something probably has been triggered. So that's a sign to to either investigate that or to pull it back a little bit. And again, in love, I understand we want our friends to be that person for us. We may, or our spouse. And we might need to find someone a little more removed that we can be completely real with and have other conversations with our loved ones.
0: Uh, we want to make sure that our own feelings and our own struggles don't crush the other person's voice in the conversation. We want to make sure that they always feel comfortable sharing their own thoughts and feelings and struggles without feeling like they're adding to a burden or something like that. They don't want to, we don't want to make it a one way street.
1: And I think we also have to, so two parts with that. We also have to be careful that our loved ones are not trying to fill a savior
0: role. I think I probably do that a lot and it added tension to our relationship because i would basically follow my mom around asking her if she was okay every 2 seconds and she would always say yes and i would always know she was lying because i could see she was in pain so then she would get very annoyed at me that i was asking her constantly if she was okay because you know she just wanted to live her life sorry no it's fine and i think
1: also we like we need to make sure that Healthy relationships are equal support. So, if we are the one that is always receiving, then it no longer is healthy. And we, and so, we need to find ways that we can be giving. In whether how was your day at school? What are you struggling with? What are you like making that? Sometimes, when I have conversations with those who. Experience chronic illness. Sometimes it'll feel, and I get it because I'm there. But it'll feel like every the minute I see them, they're telling me how they feel and what they're struggling with in their doctor's appointments, and that is the full extent of the conversation. And a relationship can't exist like that. So Mm -hmm. we need to make sure we're asking what's going on with you and really listening and really caring. And I just want to stress again: we're not saying that if you have chronic illness that your struggle is not real, and we're not saying. So we're, we're not trying to say that at all. We're just trying to say, how can we look at this? How can we have conversations to make sure that our relationships are healthy, that we're understanding the all of the emotional components involved, and that we're having these deep and important conversations.
0: And probably also, how do you deal with it without making it who you are? That's a really big, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that'll be
1: a future episode because you're absolutely right we do need to make sure that it doesn't become our identity because we're so much more than that. And if someone is speaking hurtful words that maybe contribute to our feelings of of unworthiness or like that we're a burden or our feelings of guilt, because I know some of you probably have relationships in your life that just are not all that kind and that happens and and I'm really sorry and God sees that and I believe he grieves that and I do believe we need to pray for those relationships that can be a support to us and that can help us. And we need to prayerfully consider we might need to set some boundaries. We might need to have a difficult conversation with them. We might need to say, hey, that hurts your hurts my feelings when you say that. Mm-hmm. And if they don't listen, we might need to set some boundaries. And it's okay to do that. Now, if we're in the home with them and we feel like we can't – like. Vacate or distance ourselves then we have to figure out within ourselves how can we be okay not own their behavior not own their reactions and not not own their dysfunction and and that's not an easy answer and we might need to get help to do that if we are in a really difficult situation we might need the help of a, a trained professional to say okay how do you set boundaries in this situation and how do you process I know there's so much we weren't able to discuss. This is a hugely complex issue. And I just hope if you are dealing with this, just keep pressing through to health in your relationships. Keep pressing through to open conversations. Keep evaluating, going deep with yourself with Christ. And don't expect to get through this quickly don't expect to get through issues and concerns quickly don't expect your family to get through quickly don't expect your family to be perfect we need to give one another grace just like we want grace in ourselves and they're not going to always respond to us in a way that we wish and vice versa so we need to couple it with just so much grace and again we need to get how if we need to get help then that's always a wise option. Just help in, in processing. So I thank you for joining us, Ashley. I thank you so much for sharing so honestly. Yep. Love you, mom. Love you too, sweetie. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it gave you some things to think about, maybe some conversations to initiate with your loved ones. I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode. And we're going to be talking next time with a couple. They wrote books on just dealing with suffering and Sarah Walton and Jeff Walton. Sarah actually has a couple chronic illnesses that have impacted her marriage. So make sure to join us for that. And it would encourage me so much if you would rate this episode. That also helps other people to find this podcast. And you can find me online at com, And then also make sure to connect with me on social media. Just search for my name and just keep pressing through because God does want us to thrive.
0: Thriving with chronic illness is a production of life audio and the Salem web network. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a review in your podcast app? It really does help more people like you find the podcast. To hear more from Jennifer Slattery, be sure to check out her fantastic site, holyloved.com. This episode was produced by me, Kelly Gibbons, and edited by Steven Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey for more podcasts like this head over to lifeaudio.com. Once in a generation... A podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all.
1: This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between.
0: You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.